Welcome to Then, Now, Whatever, The Wrestling Podcast, episode 13. Hey, I'm your host, the human podcasting machine, Duncan Joyce. I'm joined as ever by my constant companion, Fug Life Born, Fug Life Bred, and he'll be a Triple H mark until he's Fug Life Dead. It's Mr. Kyle Cambry. So, how are things, Kyle? Things are good at the moment. Get to the end of my course and I'm all, all done, set, ready to be a drama teacher. Woo! Yay! You're all dressed up for your management stuff now, aren't you? Oh, no. This podcast, I'm dressed in style. <laughs> Styling and profiling. Yeah. Not the normal casual wear. Ah. Uh, suit and booted. I'm in my new Shinsuke t-shirt. I went for a medium this time because my Bailey one was small. I thought, well, okay, this is just about right, but just <laughs> on the small side. Yeah. And it's a fucking nighty. You can't win. Yeah, I was like that. My first shirt that I ordered, I ordered too small. And then the next shirt came and I was like, where's the in-between size? <laughs> I can swim in this thing. There's so much room. <laughs> oh, yeah. In case you haven't noticed, we're British, and we rather like the fact that there's lots of British-themed content on the WWE Network right now. Those of you who checked out episode 9 will know that me and Kyle were both in attendance for the WWE UK Championship Tournament back in January in Blackpool. I'm sure you can gather we enjoyed the hell out of that weekend. Lots of good wrestling, and our lads did us proud, basically. But what's been happening with WWE in the UK since then? After we had that magical weekend in Blackpool, what have you seen of the UK lads since? So I've seen the stuff that have been on NXT, which has been really nice, popping up every now and again. But I'm not too sure whether... Are they actually contracted to NXT? Because they still do their independent stuff, don't they? It's a totally separate deal if they just get them in. It's kind of like when, you know, Gargano and Ciampa were in before... They did the Cruiserweight Classic thing and they just like turned up when they needed them. Yeah. That kind of thing. But yeah, so I've seen all the stuff that they've done with NXT. Been impressed with all their stuff. It just brings a different style. Mm. And I think the fans as well, they're starting to get a hold of it and they're starting to enjoy what they've got to bring to NXT. Other than that though, been keeping out on the progress results. It's exciting stuff for British wrestling. Yeah, I've, I've been to two progress shows since then and they've all been on fire. Yeah. And I also went to see Fight Club Pro. It's a week or two after WrestleMania. They had the tag team tournament. That was a really, really good show as well. It was in the MMU Students Union. Brilliant. That's like Trent Seven's little promotion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Okay, so back in January, before NXT TakeOver San Antonio took place, Wolfgang came over and wrestled the dark match on the show. And in the episode of NXT taped before then, Tyler Bate beat Oni Larkin. Yeah, probably the guy in NXT right now who has the biggest disparity between how crap his name is and how good of a wrestler he is. It's a very underrated talent. That match aired on the February 1st edition of NXT. At the set of NXT tapings that followed that event, Bate was able to defend his UK Championship successfully against Trent Seven in a match that was aired on the February 15th episode. And then the next week, Pete Dunne defeated Mark Andrews in a one-on-one match. Many of the lads wrestled matches on WrestleMania weekend at WrestleMania Access. In fact, Tyler defended his championship against the likes of Pete Dunne and Joseph Connors. And there were, in fact, Progress and ICW-branded matches at Access as well. Trent Seven, who was ICW champion at the time, actually defended his title at some of those shows. 
Then in early May, the WWE UK roster wrestled some matches on the UK legs of Raw and SmackDown's European tours. In addition to that, the company ran two dates at Norwich's Epic Studios on May the 6th and 7th with the UK roster and members of the 205 Live roster. And that brings us to the topic of today's show. So the second of those shows actually aired on the WWE Network. The first... I don't know what the heck's going to happen with that. Results from the first night saw Roy Johnson, yeah, body guy, yeah, defeat H.C. Dyer. Mark Andrews defeat James Drake. Akira Tozawa and Saxon Huxley teaming to defeat V. Brian Kendrick and Tony Nese. Pete Dunne defeating Sam Gradwell. TJP beating Rich Swan, Tyson T-Bone defeating Dan Maloney. Trent Seven defeating Wolfgang. And Tyler Bate retaining his UK championship against Joseph Connors. So is there anything from those first night's results that you wouldn't have mind seeing? Trent Seven against Wolfgang. That would have been a good one. Because I was really impressed with Wolfgang. And I quite like the stuff that he does. And I, I've said this before on the, on the podcast, but for a guy that size, to see some of the stuff that he does is incredible. He reminds me of Kevin Owens when Kevin Owens does stuff like that with the flips yeah. and the... You know, you think someone of that stature is not going to be able to do stuff like that. And Brock Lesnar, you know, 2002 era, you know, doing moonsaults and stuff. You just yeah. think somebody that size shouldn't be allowed to do that. No. But, you know, it's incredible to watch. And Trent Seven, just incredible guy anyway. Pete Dunne and Sam Gradwell is another one. Because I quite liked their little mini feud that they had. Uh, yeah, but it was quite a nice running storyline. Yeah. And I think Pete Dunne really, other than Tyler Bate winning the championship, I think Pete Dunne's kind of the superstar that's come out of all this. And I think he's the one that, especially Triple H with the way he tweets about it, mm. he's kind of the one that they're going to push a lot. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that them two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what they're going to do with it, really. Because they had cameras there. We'll, we'll see a, a clip coming up yeah. on the show that they actually showed. So I, I just wonder why they wouldn't use it. Maybe they just like rush to get it all. We need to do something before TakeOver because we've got this number one contenders match. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, if they're going to keep doing specials like this, it's good for British wrestling anyway. Mm. But, you know, maybe they're going to fit it in the schedule now where we will end up getting a special two weeks before a TakeOver or four weeks before a TakeOver as kind of, you know, people get to watch NXT every week. But then if you want your push and your storylines for the British guys, you've got your special that will feed you into the TakeOver. Mm. So I think... Plenty of ideas that they've got. Yeah, I've heard that they could be doing stuff up to fortnightly, wow. as far as tapings and stuff go. That would be brilliant. It, they've kind of pushed it back a little bit because they don't need to worry about ITV now because the world of sport tapings got held back. Yeah. If I'm honest, we've looked at world of sport, but if, especially with the talent that we've seen on the British specials, going up against the talent on world of sport, I don't think there's, there's any competition really but is that a money thing you know you can kind of bring the talent in if you say I'll offer you so much maybe I have to just think like there's loads of really talented guys that they signed up to World of Sport I yeah. just think that the style that they've had them go out and wrestle for in the WWE shows has been I don't know maybe a bit more authentic and yeah. just 
just had a, a greater feel about it, really, I felt. Yeah, I think it's more of you go out there and show a name for yourself, more of you go out there and you've got to do these things. So I think, you know, guys like Tyler Bate, Pete Dunn, Wolfgang, they thrive off just being handed something and saying, run with it, rather than being handed something and saying, right, but you've got to stick between these lines and you've got to stick between, you know, some guys can't work like that. At the moment, at least, WWE have been relatively hands-off as far as the gimmicks and stuff go. Yeah. Like, they're still identifiable the people that you see on the independent shows that you go to. Yeah, although we might end up seeing Pete Dunne on SmackDown as part of the uh, police. Fashion <laughs> <Slash of> police. <laughs> and that's when you just think, please, just stay away. <laughs> just don't touch the talent. I know he needs a haircut, but <laughs> come on, we, we don't need Dango and Breeze on his case. <laughs> yeah, so the second night of the tapings wound up airing on the WWE Network on May the 19th. There were some dark matches that didn't get to air. Tyson T-Bone defeated Saxon Huxley. Akira Tozawa defeated Tony Nice, And Sam Gregwell defeated James Drake. They're alright for dark matches, them, aren't they? I mean, I get why they do the mix of the two or five as well. Because they still need some guys that they can pop off and, you know, that they, they know. So, you know, it's a good mix. Yeah, decent stuff. We'll see some more two or five guys coming up on the show. So the opening video shows Tyler's winning Blackpool and loads of talking heads mention how being in the tournament has boosted their careers. And the focus is mainly on Tyler having this target on his back. And they show clips of him defending against Trent on NXT. Trent and Tyler still had their Blue Peter badges. They did, yeah. Loved it, marked out. (sighs) Okay, voiceover guy here. Tonight. The worldwide spotlight is back in the UK, in Norwich, England. Yeah, I spotted that. Why can't they say any of our cities and towns right? <laughs> Don't get it. What was it we had in the tournament? West Bromwich. West Bromwich. And then I think Cole was like, we're on the Lancashire yeah. coast. <laughs> There's Darren Fletcher from West Bromwich. It's <laughs> like, what? Oh... Uh, He's at Stoke now, isn't he? I wouldn't have a box saying Stoke. Stark. Stark. <laughs> oh, dear. Our commentary team tonight, also still in his Blue Peter badge, Nigel McGuinness and Jim Ross. Nice to see. Poached from World of Sport. Yeah. Yeah, they welcome us from a green screen in front of Orlando. Sorry, from Norwich. Oh, my God. This is diabolical, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm actually ashamed of WWE that they even thought they could fool us with that. <laughs> they looked like they were floating about one foot above the ground. Incredible. It wasn't a good choice. Whoever came up with that needs a, a little bit of a talking to. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> they had the long chairs for people. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so weird. Again, why? <laughs> why the need? But I mean, other than that, what do you think of the, the look of this show as compared to Blackpool? I don't think there was as much oomph. I don't know what word to describe. It didn't feel like a special, even if it was a special. It just felt like it was more relaxed. And I don't know whether that was just because of the, the crowd. I mean, you know, I'm not saying the, the crowd was awful. The, the crowd just seemed more relaxed to, to Blackpool. And I, get, and I guess it's just because when we were in Blackpool, that's, that's kind of the crowd you get. But yeah, I, 
I didn't feel that I was watching a special mm. with the way that everything was set out and the atmosphere. I could totally see what you're saying there. It looked to me like they were trying a sort of setup that they'd be able to run, well, not week to week, but as far as, you know, recording something that would maybe possibly go out week to week. Yeah. So it kind of felt like they have the old house show LED screens and stuff. Yeah. And it felt a bit more like the performance centre as opposed to yeah. Blackpool, where you actually have the architecture of the building was a big part of the look of the show. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if they're going, going for that on a weekly basis, then... As a fan, if you then end up going, you know, weekly or bi-weekly, you would just get used to that and you would get into the atmosphere. Because mm. I suppose when NXT first went to full sale, there was a bit of a transition period when the fans were in there because it was like, you know, this isn't what we're used to. Now look at it. They kept the gold post as well, which was I was really, I was really yeah. pleased with. Yeah. Our opening contest of the evening sees Wolfgang taking on Joseph Connors. I wondered if they'd dubbed in Wolfgang's music because the crowd sounded a wee bit muted. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know whether that was a bit like in Blackpool when we had the technical difficulties. Mm. I don't know whether it was just in the UK, it, I don't know, you know, harder for the technical stuff to, to balance it out. But yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. Both men get some brief video packages. Wolfgang talks about his heartbreak when he lost to Tyler, but he's back to prove he's the last true king of Scotland. And the Connors one just kind of like focuses on, on his ear and his dangerousness. I feel attached to Joseph Connors. <laughs> I feel a slight... I don't know. I just every time I see him, I think, mm, we were near you, <laughs> your family. <laughs> By transitivity, <Yeah. laughs> we were within five feet of you. <laughs> when the bell rang, Wolfgang just like, whoa, yep. jolted right into his fighting stance. It was great. He's good with that, and he, he's good with his, I don't know, his muscle movement when he's not doing anything. He's really good with, you know, showing what he's going to do before he does it, mm. but not in, in a ruining the moment sense. So the start of this match features some basic mat, re- mat wrestling, and fans go, ooh, when people are in headlocks, like anticipating a knockdown. Wolfie's really, really agile with his drop down and kick, then hits a stalling suplex for a two count. He then hits the apron hard, and that sees Connors going in to focus on the ribs. Lots of attacks there. And Nigel used the correct angle to describe the match turning around. Yes. 180. Yeah. Not 360. You'll end up <laughs> back where you were. God damn it. <laughs> it's E3 week while we're recording this. So the, the Xbox have just done the Xbox One X super duper console. And like, oh my God, we've come full circle. So we had Xbox, Xbox 360... So it turned the names around. So then they started going backwards to <laughs> Xbox One. And now this Xbox One X, the initials actually spell Xbox. Oh, God. So whoa, we're back to the start. The Sony one's tonight, isn't it? Because they're a day apart. It's, it's like two in the morning or something. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to stay not, up for it. No, that's the one I'm excited for, just because I'm not an Xbox guy. Nah. There were some good announcements anyway. Mm, yeah. I like the look of a good deal of this stuff. Connors drop kicks Wolfie's ribs into the ring post and commentary say that this match is like Braveheart because it's England versus Scotland. Nice analogy, very simple analogy, yeah. but okay. <laughs> yeah. Wolfie comes back with... He had this Irish whip where he just kind of hangs on when they reach the corner. Yeah. I'm sure I've seen that before. In old attitude like Crash Holly. That's what mm. it felt like. 
Like he'd do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, very weird. It just did felt really odd to me because like they stayed like exactly in arm's width. Yeah. And Wolfie was still in control. But anyway, he hits a back body drop, corner cross body, a top rope sledge, and then has a brilliant counter to Joseph's cross body when he gets his knees up for like a gut buster. Yeah. That was great. Connors then kind of botches his slingshot, don't look down finisher. That gets a near fall. Nigel's praising him actually for focusing on the ribs because it worked in advantage for that finisher. Whoa, Tyler Bate did a. Sorry, just, just for screen stalled and Tyler Bate was doing a funky <laughs> dance like he was stuck in a gif or something. Connors hits for sky high, like D'Lo Brown. You better recognise. It was great after that near fall. Wolfie was trying to kick Connor's face away with his foot. This is back to what you were saying yeah. about his movements when he's not doing a manoeuvre. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's nice to see just them little touches kind of brings you a little higher as a superstar. Yeah, it makes it look less that you're working from spot to spot. Yeah. More like you're actually you know competing against this person. Yeah. So Connors goes up to the second rope, we get speared out of midair, and Wolfie gets the howling, the Swanton Bomb, while he's still holding his ribs. That was great, the way he changed direction and yep. still sold it. And that gets him the free count. We're having a party! Wolfie wins! After 11 minutes. And what did you think to this? Like I say, I'm impressed with Wolfgang, and I like the little things that he does within the match. There's a story there, which mm. is good. Instead of, like you say, going from spot to spot. I mean, you know, as as we've got older, it's not about the the wrestling and the the fakeness of it, you know. For us, we now want to see a story because we're older and we understand. Um, yeah, that, that match brought that out, you know. There's definitely better matches on the card, but as a, as a starting match, you know, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's just pretty inoffensive. Just Wolfie, like you say, he's really, really likeable. His cell job in this was great, especially with the Swanton bomb at the finish. This wasn't up to the level of his stuff in the tournament, but yeah. I'd put that down to his opponent, really. Connors is kind of bland for me. Yeah. <laughs> Did you spot as well when Connors was trying to make it to the back? There was that guy in the Norwich shirt and the Island Partridge mask like, oh, no. mugging behind him. Oh no, I missed that. He <laughs> was like resting against the, the guardrail, like knackered and stuff, telling like he's been in this match. And this guy in the partridge match was like, Way! <laughs> Loved it. So, our second match is a tag team contest. TJP and V. Brian Kendrick teaming to take on Rich Swan and Dan Maloney, who is super over as a babyface by a simple virtue of being a man called Dan in Norwich. <laughs> Dan's a fantastic man. He really is. I was making him laugh this morning. I was on the phone to him. He was asking me what kind of phone I had. And I said, a Motorola Time Port. And he said, uh, that's sad. You, you want to upgrade? And I said, so do you, to a new face. He nearly soiled himself. He said he laughed so much he had Kenko coming out of his nostrils. And that made me laugh. <laughs> but... Uh, my nostrils were clear. <laughs> There's Dan. Dan! 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 
no, he's not seeing me. I'll get him later. I just thought it was really random for him to be in this match. I mean, I get that it's a UK special, mm. so at least have maybe two or five versus British. Instead, it's three two or fives against with Dan Maloney. <laughs> it's the first three cruiserweight champions, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. Actually, do you think they could have maybe made this match a bit more British? Yeah. Because, you know, you could have... I think you could have easily have had Dan teaming with Jack Gallagher mm. and going against Noam Dar and Neville or something. Yeah. No, I agree. Especially for with it being a British special. Yeah, they could have made more effort with that. But it, again, is it, you know, were they the only superstars available to flesh out that match? I don't... Uh, I don't know. Since we've got... Uh, some cruiserweights in this match. Do you want to recommend anything from 205 Live recently? I quite like the TJP Neville thing that they've got going on with him being heel and he's, he's kind of changed recently. But they, they kind of formed a, a click together and now Neville in true heel form has said, well, actually, he doesn't need any friends. So, mm. you know, he takes T, TJP out. Noam Dar and uh, Alicia Fox, they're, they're brilliant. I, you know, at first, I, their little thing that they had, I wasn't too impressed with that. But that's good. And they, they're kind of bringing Sasha Banks over. Yeah, um, I found that really fun, actually. Especially the pay per view. Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't ruin Sasha too much with her taking her out of the limelight a little bit. But it can work the opposite way of when she does come back to Raw. That could work in that advantage. But with, with TJP, you know, because he, he's now only going by TJP, TJP, there was a thing on Twitter saying about someone tweeted to say, oh, the reason that he's had to change his name to TJP is because Vince McMahon hates the Perkins restaurant chain. What? <laughs> so, and he, like they were saying, there was like this big article of the reasoning and TJP must have seen it. And he's then quote tweeted it saying, nope, just has to be TJP. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, where do these guys make these stories up from? Holy crap. Vince Furious told Perkins to change to TJP. <laughs> and then he just quotes it saying, nope, I actually asked for TJP. Jesus left. Yeah. I'd also like to recommend Kendrick and Tazawa had a street fight the other week. That was good stuff. Yeah. And I can't remember how far back it goes now, but the, the one, the, the whole episode that they had when they were on the UK tour. Yeah. And Jack and Aries had a pint and things. Yeah, and, yeah. And then all the matches after that were really good as well. Yeah. That was the first, that was the first episode I'd seen all the way through in, in quite a few weeks, actually. So, yeah. I definitely I, recommend that. I do like the fact that it's only very short, so the, the storylines have to be really focused. Yeah. And I, that's what I like about NXT as well. You know, we've spoke endlessly about the three-hour, two-hour format with Raw and SmackDown. And just the shorter, the better, I I think. Mm. Just keeps it more focused. But yeah, whatever Tazawa does, I'm a big fan of Tazawa at the moment. (laughs) Initially, both of the heels take the piss out of Swan's dancing on putting down in arm ringers. TJ is a wanker chance. 
ring out and you can hear Nige fearing for his job when JR asks him what's a TJ is a wanker (laughs) don't talk about it don't talk about it (laughs) that ain't PG there's an amusing spot where Dan gets TJ to accidentally pump handle Kendrick's arm in the corner (laughs) JR quips this is embarrassing (laughs) Swan and Dan then double atomic drop, double dab, and double hip toss TJ, and Dan backdrops Rich out onto the heels to the outside. Kendrick has a great little leg grab to prevent a tag, but it still can't prevent Swan from getting the tag to Dan. He makes TJ DDT Kendrick. There's loads of these spots in wrestling nowadays. Yeah. Just why? Why would you hold the headlock? I don't know. It has become much more focused now. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. No. A Kendrick distraction allows the heels to regain control and TJ brilliantly, he covers his ears while he's still on offence. He's like kicking away. Like, TJ is a wanker. TJ. No, no. No, I'm not. I loved it. Dan suplexes out of a submission and then backdrops Brian and then is able to get the tag. Rich Swan gets near falls with a somersault leg drop and a super atomic drop. But then Kendrick sneaks up from behind him and locks in the captain's hook. Dan has to get in to break it up, tags in and avoids the detonation kick from TJ, but then Kendrick is able to roll him up with the tights to get the free. So V, Brian, Kendrick and TJP win this match in 11 minutes and 30 seconds. What did you make to it? It wasn't really a promotion of the cruiserweight philosophy if you're going to have the 205 guys in at least have some sort of cruiserweight spots in there you know or what we see as cruiserweight spots that's the only thing that I thought was missing it was more of your traditional tag team and then going back if they were going for the more traditional tag team they've got the wrong superstars in that match other than that yeah it was you know a watch I see what you're saying. Like that is predominantly the complaints I see people make about just the whole 205 brand. Really, it's all these exciting different wrestlers, and they're being molded into the WWE style. Yeah, like Rich Swan doesn't fly as much as he used to, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. This is basically a house show match. Just have a piss around. It wasn't like a, a cruiserweight brand match, as you say. It was quite fun in places, and. You know, Dan was probably a bit basic on offense, but Kendrick just has all these great little heel accoutrements, like hooking the leg and things like that, and how he prevents tags and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, the crowd helped make this match as well. Well, it it was one of the matches that they probably work nine months of the year, so it's one of them go out. You know what you're gonna do, mm. come back in. You know, there was no right. We could do this to our the audience. We do that. You know. It was just one of them, go out, do your job, come back. Yeah. Next we see clips from last night's event, a WWE.com exclusive apparently. Mm. Not anymore, you're showing it on the network. Yeah. Trent and Wolfie had a match, as we we mentioned, and Trent hurt his arm out of an arm ringer. We see Charlie interviewing Trent as he comes out from the doctor's office and he reveals it's only a tendon injury and it's not going to stop him from competing in this next match, because he wants to get to Chicago. His opponent, Pete Dunne, arrives, looking smug, and whacks the arm against the wall. 
Nigel makes the point that Pete uses the Kimura lock sometimes, yeah. so that plays into that. And he warns that this stuff that Pete's doing will continue to happen so long as he doesn't face any repercussions. Hint, hint. Yeah, Triple H might have a favourite son here. No! Uh, <laughs> it was never going to be you, Kyle. Come on! <laughs> He's still not tweeting you, has he? No. Uh, oh, this time. <laughs> so then we get a brief video package for the match. Um, Pete talks about how he's where he should be. He's beating people up and making money. All he needs now is a title. And Trent says that his well-groomed face is incomplete without this title. Yeah. <laughs> Did he not? Do you not like the way he's groomed? It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder like how it's it's mustache mountain, but he's got a beard. Yeah, so it's like the whole mountain, <laughs> mustache and the trimmings. Maybe oh, maybe that's why it's mustache mountain. Maybe the mustache is the peak of the mountain, and I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> scrap that. <laughs> it's time for the third match of the evening, the number one contenders match for the UK title. The winner will face the winner of the UK title match on this show in. Take over Chicago. It's Pete Dunne taking on Trent Seven. And Pete Dunne enters the ring with his Progress title and he is announced as the Progress champion. What a time to be alive. That's incredible. The fact that they now mix the two is great. I mean, we always knew that Progress must have had some sort of deal with NXT to, to have this to happen. But then to actually see the belt, it's just like, what? Yeah. Mind-blowing. Trent's got this new theme song that's a lot less White Stripes-y. Yeah, I do like White Stripes, though, so mm. for me it's a little disappointing. But I do like the new the new theme tune. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty good. Brilliantly, did you spot... So he's, like, coming out and shaking hands with the fans and stuff. And he starts shaking with his injured arm, and then he moves to yes! his, his yeah, good yeah, yeah. arm. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> that was fantastic. He's also, when the match starts, he's changed his stance, so he's leading with his left arm as well, because it's his right arm that's hurt. And again, the little things that we mentioned about story-wise, that that just helps. Yeah, no doubt. So there's a cautious start, and Trent tries to gain the advantage with chops, but then a rope break from a waistlock allows Pete to finally start attacking the arm, and he focuses on it all match. Trent's able to fake Pete out on a chop to DDT him, and then hits a heat-seeking missile, a la Austin Aries. Yep. Both men counter their finishes. Trent hits a left-armed lariat. Pete gets a nice German suplex, with a great snap on it. But then the X-plex is countered into a suplex reverse DDT thing by Trent that gets two. Trent accidentally posts himself, and Pete gets a Saito suplex and the X-plex for a near fall. And then tries to lock on the Kimura, but Trent gets to the ropes. I've learned some great stuff here about how the lineage of that hole goes back to Billy Robinson. Yeah. And it's called the Kimura because there's a, a guy called Kimura in MMA that used it. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that because I don't follow MMA at all. So. No. Pete does the finger snap thing outside. Marty School does as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love how sonorous that is. Like, and whenever people see that that particular hand grab, everyone's like, "Okay, okay, okay, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet." Ah! 
The train strikes on the apron, and then, mother of fucking God, we get a dragon suplex on the apron by Trent. Yeah. Ouch. Hardest part of the ring. Yeah. Both men beat the count to get back inside, and just like JR, I couldn't tell what number we were on, because everyone was chanting 10. Yeah. I think that's the case with the last few counts like that, is that I'm sure some of the matches go over 10, because the ref just stops, because... Everyone's just chanting 10, 10, 10, and you're like, I don't know what number I'm on. Yeah, well, I could have sworn it happened when Pete and Gradwell were yeah. facing each other. And you were just, you were way over 10, but because everyone's chanting 10, and the rest is like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> See, there's this thing that progress audiences used to do. There's one referee, Jim Roberts, who couldn't keep track of the count. So whenever he counted a number, they chanted the number after it to help him keep track of what was supposed to come next. Yeah. They'd be like, one. Two! <laughs> two! Three! <laughs> and that used to piss people off, but at least you can keep track of where the count is with that. Yeah. If everyone's going, ten! <laughs> ten! <laughs> ten! <laughs> where am I? <laughs> oh my god. We get this is awesome chance. Trent tries a dragon superplex that Pete thankfully flipped out of. JR quips. He lands on his feet like a cat. Maybe a bruiser cat? <laughs> bruiser cat. Bruiser cat. He he was in a team with Sammy Callahan at that Fight Club Pro tag tournament I mentioned. Yeah. And he actually came out with whiskers drawn on his face. <laughs> so but Pete's usually a heel on the scene and people chant you're a C word at him. Yeah. But this time they were chanting, Peter, you're a cat. Peter, Peter, you're a cat. <laughs> Nice, nice touch. Yeah. We get some great striking exchanges that finishes up with Trent getting a near fall with a clothesline. Well, he tried it with his injured arm and that's why he didn't yeah. get the win because his, his arm's too hurt. That then gets British wrestling chance and Trent goes for the seven-star lariat but it's countered in the Kimura. And I think this was running throughout the whole night. Fans were chanting, ask him. Yeah. The Jericho thing? Yeah. That's quite nice. Yeah, and again, it shows that the crowd are into what's happening. They're not just buying tickets to come and, and watch mm-hmm. a, an event. They're, they're actual fans, so they, they are chanting stuff yeah. that's relevant. Because you do get that sometimes. The crowds, they'll chant, they'll just chant basic chants for, for a crowd. Whereas when you get the chants, the story chants, that's when you know that the crowd are, are really into it. Yeah, it's all that, isn't it? Oh, look at these people. They've come here to sit down and chant instead yeah. of watch some wrestling. Yeah. Trent powers out of the hold with another dragon suplex and then hits a massive back fist. But then his torture rack thing is countered with a bitter end by Pete, which gets him the win after 14 minutes and 45 seconds. What do you make to that? Really, really good match. This was my match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. <laughs> There's a part in the match when Pete's trying to take the bandage off Trent's arm. Yeah. And when he's got hold of Trent and he, he slaps him on the face and he then tries to take his nose like yeah. he's a child. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's like... <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, I, you know, it was just a great British strong style showcase. They just both went at it. And that's what you want to watch. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. This was marvellous. It's just 
filled with some great striking, lots of great counters and spots. But, you know, like we were talking about with the opener, it's the storytelling that really put this over the top here. It was just exceptional. Yeah. You know, Trent's best arm, his traditionally strong arm, is hurt. So he tries to build his attack around his weaker arm. He can't get the win with that because it's too weak. So then he resorts back to his injured arm. But then that can't get him the win because it's injured. So it's not a full strength. And then, again, to advance that story, you could always say, well... Trent has never beaten Pete at full fitness. So could he beat Pete at full, at full fitness? fitness? Yeah. So there's, there's there's ways you can go with that. I've got a feeling they might try and like strike while the iron is hot with Trent because you know, he's he's the oldest of the bunch really. Like, yeah. He he was later getting into wrestling than everyone else. And like we've seen that with like say Kevin Owens, he got up to the main roster within a year. Yeah. Shinsuke got up. Like just over a year, yeah. So yeah, maybe he'll be featured really, really prominently, which would be nice. Yeah, you just don't want them to ruin what they've built because you do see that when they get promoted, mm. and then you just think, oh, I'd rather have them stayed. But the dream is to be in the the main stage. Mm. After the match, Pete gets on the mic. He warned us people would get hurt, and he's taking what's his in Chicago. JR predicts it will be quite the matchup. <laughs> we then get an advert for Finn's 24 7 special. It's Ace. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. I like just the the family side of it. It was just nice to see. It just shows, you know, that you do get the support. Because wrestling has always been seen as one of them, well, a bit like drama in, in a sense, that not all families kind of want you to go and do that but well yeah it gets it's like kind of bottled in as this pipe dream or whatever sometimes whereas you could see how supportive his family were and how they just wanted him to do what he wanted to do Mm. yeah and it was great how he was going back to the wrestling school in Ireland and like okay it's an open field now you know I made it and Devlin's making it you know go out there give it a try yeah yeah Mm. So there's our two main events left, so it's time for halftime question time. Okay, so considering what's happening with the women now on SmackDown, how do you feel that they're now getting predominantly male matches? So they've had a steel cage match. Yeah. They're now going to have a money in the bank match. You know, is there a limit? Is there a glass ceiling or can we see women in other predominantly male matches? And if we could, what 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 would suit? But I mean we've already had Sasha and Charlotte and Helen herself. Mm. That was a glass ceiling for me. Yeah. As far as like, you know, it is as extreme. Like even the Elimination Chamber match with its redesign, I think they could put the women's division in that as well. Yeah. Like with the old design, maybe they wouldn't have risked it with the steel floor, but no, it's just yeah. sky's the limit for me, really. Yeah, I'm really happy to see it. And the, the women's division money in the bank briefcase, Smart. oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah just with, with, with trim in the corners and yeah. yeah, I really, really like it. Yeah, I'm all for this. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same, and I think the really the next push for the women. You saw it with Bailey and Alexa Bliss's match. You know, using weapons, 
that's that's something that you don't really see with with women. And I mean, you know, you've seen the picture of Bailey with all the uh, cuts on the back after yeah. the match. That must have hurt. Mm-hmm. More stuff like that would be nice as well. But you know, I think that at the moment the confidence is so high they won't say no to anything. If they get pitched something, it's like yes, yeah. we'll do that. But yeah, I, I love the women's division at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think the front runner would be in that Money in the Bank match? I mean, Charlotte's your obvious favourite. Mm. So who have we got? It's Charlotte, Becky, Carmella, Natty, and Tamina. And I'd probably say Becky Lynch. Mm. Becky Lynch, but, you know, Charlotte is your favourite, really, in, in a sense of... She's probably the most athletic and the, the one that you're going to say, yeah, she'll get on that ladder. Yeah, like, I mean, Charlotte's too legit to win. She doesn't need it, Yeah, as far as I can tell. Tamina's not going to. Nah. She's your, in a male sense, you can big show, you know, they're in there just to powerhouse. Yeah, she's very much a sort of mechanic for the division, I think. Yeah. Really. But I mean, like, then again, Lana's getting this championship match. Mm. yeah Becky there's a question about whether she's going to turn at some point mm. and maybe winning the the case could could be the the turn yeah the, the catalyst for that see the other one is do we see Carmella win with interference yeah I keep hearing loads of things about how they're very high on Carmella yeah so who knows yeah but it's, it's one of the selling points of the pay-per-view for me. I'm intrigued with what they're going to do because they had a decent brawl to set up the yeah. match. Thinking way, way, way ahead, if Carmella stays heel and rumour has it Cass is going heel, yeah. they could put them together because mm. they're obviously legit together. That's worked before. Yeah. Okay, so we get a video package for the championship match. And Tyler talks about how he's welcoming this pressure and this target on his back from being the champion. And Mark Andrews is talking about how this is the most important match of his career and he's going to use his experience to get the advantage on the champion. So it's the main event of the UK Championship Special. The United Kingdom Championship is on the line with Tyler Bate defending against Mark Andrews. You spotted this. Tyler's got this forearm tattoo now. Yeah. I like it. I like his new style. His new gruff and the tattoo and... I don't know. He's just... <laughs> as corny and shitty as this sounds, he's gone from a boy to a man. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a 20, he's in his yeah. 20s now. But I, I mean, like, from from Blackpool to there, yeah. like, or to now, it's, I do like the way that he looks. When you pointed out this to me, I'd seen him live in person at least twice, and yet you'd spotted this and I'd <laughs> not. I don't understand what happened. <laughs> this promotion called Attack in like Cardiff and Bristol down in the southwest. They did this show called Press Start where all of these wrestlers were dressing up as each other's gimmicks because like there's a glitch in the system, or whatever. Yeah. And Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn had a match. Yeah, and he drew the tattoo on his <laughs> knee, yeah. He <laughs> drew a little teddy bear on his knee. <laughs> Brilliant. Is it just me, or does JR keep calling him Tyler Bates? Yes. 
But I think, again, I think it's just... Americans can't do British names. Mm. I don't know. I don't get it. The... <laughs> it's like I thought the other day if anything ever happened in Bolton and it was like, Bolton! Bolton! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird. Nice made me chuckle here. He's like talking about Tyler. Tyler Bates, the kind of guy you hope your daughter brings home for you to meet. Till you find out he's from Dadley. That's a really good Nigel McGuinness accent. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that actually made JR openly chortle as well, which is quite good. <laughs> I don't know if it was just me, but it sounded like people were booing the fact that Andrews is from Wales. Yeah, I don't get that. And I, sometimes that does ruin the, the moment when you get... I mean, we there's obviously a rivalry, but it, it, it's not needed. No. It's not needed. Crowd chance for Tyler to give him a wave, and he does and gets a massive pop for it. This match starts off with a quick roll-up by Mark that gets a two-count and delete chance. They're always going to turn up, aren't they? Oh, well, <laughs> lots of really nice chain wrestling escapes from both men, and they shake hands after a standoff. There's a running theme in this match of Tyler going for these really elaborate, inescapable submission holds that just aren't quite painful enough to actually get a tap out. Yeah. So we see him, he does this surfboard Indian deathlock variant and a pendulum surfboard like in the old Smackdown games. He did that to Matt Riddle last time I saw him live and Matt Riddle's like six foot two or three. Wow. He's got a good like 60 or 70 pounds on Tyler. So it's like, whoa. That's a good effort. Yeah. Loads of great flips to escape some simple moves. And that finishes up with Mark cartwheeling out of Tyler Bates' Frankensteiner. Again, really good. (laughs) Oh my God. And both men miss drop kicks. Mark then attempts to go for an octopus hold and hits a Netsuguri. Frankensteiner, a helo to the outside... Double stomp into the Northern Light suplex, but Tyler rolls him up before he can hit the moonsault. But he gets it second time of asking anyway. So then a great leapfrog and suicide dive by Bate, but his Tyler driver is countered, and in a great bit of improvisation, when he goes for it a second time and he's over-rotating, Mark presses his knees against yeah, the ropes yeah. and bounces back. That, it, that was nice, yeah. Brilliant, and that led to an absolutely devastating Frankenstein for a near fall. Landed right on his head. There's been a slice bread on the apron. It probably came, like, compared to the, the one in the match previous, yeah. it wasn't quite as, like, Ouch. dramatic. Ouchie. Ouchie. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler catches Mark's moonsault off the apron, but Andrews is able to spin it round into a DDT on the floor. Bate comes back with an uppercut from the top rope. And then we see a great fiery striking exchange, which finishes with him getting the left jab and hooking the airplane spin. But then when he tries to switch direction, Andrews turns it into a reverse Frankensteiner for a two count and holy shit chance. Holy shit. Holy shit. Blimey. Holy shit. Andrews then Frankensteiners out of a Finley roll from the top rope and hits a running shooting star press for very close near fall. Tyler Bate then hits his next spring lariat that he's added. You know, like the spring that Kofi Kingston used to do. Yep. I was like, wait, hang on, what? How do you do that? 
his suplex gets turned into a Sun Dog Millionaire. Yeah, like you know how you're never supposed to power bomb Billy Kidman. Yeah, all those kind of unwritten rules of wrestling. Don't try to suplex Mark Andrews. But then the shooting star press eats the knees, and Tyler hits the Liger kick and the Tyler Driver ninety seven to win and retain his championship after twenty four minutes and fifteen seconds. And all I can think of is sledgehammer. <laughs> do, do. Sledgehammer. What's on the match? Again, you know, the British guys just like to do it different, don't they? Some of the moves in that match, you just kind of think, how how was that even possible? Yeah. You know, the DDT on the outside. You know, how in the memory of man is that even scientifically... You know, amazing stuff. Really, really good stuff. I just the my only thing as to why it wasn't my favourite match and why I liked Pete Dunne and Trent's is I just like a good old fight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not saying that I don't like the the different move reversals and stuff because I love the cruiserweights and you know you get tons of that in the cruiserweights, but just seeing Pete Dunne and Trent fight was the reason that it kind of pipped this match. Hmm. Other than that, you know, incredible match. Incredible. I totally understand that. It's a face versus face match yeah. and it very much felt wrestled that way. Lots of it was based on the technical skills and their escape work and stuff. Yeah. I still prefer this slight, ever so slightly more to, to Trent and Dunn. Just, I like the way how Andrews had to kind of slowly creep his style into the match as it went along. It started out with just the technical work where you'd think Tyler would have the advantage. Yeah. And Andrews had to slowly kind of create space in the match so he could fly and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, very, very good main event. And Tyler basically just won for being the better counter-wrestler. Yeah. After the match, Pete Dunne arrives. He shoves Mark Andrews down <laughs> before Regal can come out and do his angry dad pointing routine. <laughs> I love it he eventually gets it to settle down so they can have their standoff in the middle of the ring. Nice closes with the line, we will either see a new or the same United Kingdom champion. You've just ruined the whole special. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same for every championship match, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's either the same champion or a new champion. Just end it with, there could be a new UK champion. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, someone will be the UK champion still. At some point in Chicago. (laughs) Ah, Thoughts on the show overall as a package? What was your favourite match and who was the standout performer for you? Just as the package itself, we explained briefly before, you know, it didn't feel like a special. The thing that they were running for, like you said, was probably a house show and how they want to run it weekly. So for me... Uh, it's something I get used to but it wasn't something that I expected I, I was expecting like we saw in Blackpool hmm. that was the kind of look I was expecting my standout performer again I've got to say Pete Dunne again just the way he conducts himself and the way that he is in the ring and I, I don't know there's just something about him that when I see Pete Dunne promoted I think I've got to watch that I've got to watch that and I, I don't know what it is. It's just his swagger, his charisma that pulls me in. 
And yeah, my favourite match was the, the Trent Pete match. Mm. I'd have to say, yeah, as far as if this is the kind of thing that we'd be seeing every fortnight or so, I'd be pretty pleased with it. This is a, a quite a strong show in general. Opening two matches were nothing all that special. You know, you, you could easily skip them and not miss out on anything too much. But the semi-main event and the main event were just stellar, stellar wrestling and absolutely should go out of your way to see those two matches at least. I'm totally with you. Pete Dunne was the star of the show, really. Yeah, he, he just seems to relish being put in this position and just always delivers. Yeah, main event was my favourite match. Just by an inch or two. Just by a tad. Yeah, it's hard to pick between those two matches because they, they definitely reinforce why this division would be like a must-see thing. Yeah. So, the field is set... That means in NXT TakeOver Chicago, the next night, May 20th, 2017, from the Allstate Arena, we get to see the UK Championship on the line with Tyler Bate defending against Pete Dunne. And we get a little video package for the match, and Tyler's still got his Blue Peter badge on. He says everything's been wicked post-tournament. More little UK speak there. Oh, it's wicked, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Pete says that people got a glimpse of what he's all about and there's nothing he won't do to be champion. So, much like this special, this match is being called by Jim Ross and Nigel McGuinness and JR got an absolutely monumental pop when he came out. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me, because like, you do realise you're not going to be able to hear him, right? Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, like, we, like when, we, when we saw him at World of Sport. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone popped from him at World of Sport and stuff still, so, yeah. I still remember us shouting about his phone that he dropped. <laughs> Pick up your phone! Yeah. Pete sadly not got his progress belt this time around. Mm. Might have been just me, but I think he got a tiny bigger pop than Tyler did. Yeah. But I think, like we were saying, his stock is definitely rising. Mm, for sure. And they slightly remixed Tyler's music for this as well. Yeah. Which I'm annoyed at. Uh, the other one is a bit more like kind of relaxing state. Whereas now it's more... <laughs> Now it's more like... Nice mix, I like it.
J.R. Wrongly states that he compared Bait to Finley at the UK special when he was talking about Pete, actually. Yeah. We open with some really fast chain wrestling, and Tyler does an awesome Owen Hart flippy arm ringer escape, and drop kicks Pete out of the ring. I really loved how they're on the outside, and Tyler threw Pete back in the ring, so Pete scooted out immediately and lured him into a, yeah, yeah. a forearm. Xplex on the apron! We're not fucking around here, are we? Nope. I'm showing you what we've got. <laughs> Tyler comes back with a deadlift exploder suplex and then counters the Xplex into a standing shooting star press to the back and then hits a stalling bridging Saito suplex for a near fall. We then get the NXT chance slowly morph into UK chance. Yeah. So strange. Very strange, especially with it being a US pay-per-view. <laughs> You'd expect them to be, oh my god, they're not American. USA! Yeah. <laughs> USA! But it, it just makes you smile watching it. You just think, yeah. oh, they're chanting for us. It's, it's us. <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> they love us. <laughs> Another shooting star press attempt is turned into a triangle choke by Pete. But then Tyler deadlifts out of it with a powerbomb. Gets This Is Awesome chance. Tyler then hits an absolutely whopper airplane spin that is so fast my eyes hurt. Yeah, it's the whip that gets it. Because you think if he, the way it whips, if he hits like a post or anything, that's going to break the body in half. Like it's that sort of, ouch. Definitely. Pete flips out of a German suplex and hits his this forearm out of the corner love it <laughs> it's great that works on so many different levels like as soon as he says that his opponent knows okay so he's supposed to counter this yeah so it's kind of like so he doesn't have to kayfabe things yeah like dissolve the forearm this love it he then hits a sit down Xplex that gets a dramatic near fall and draws a standing ovation from the audience just like you're saying, the way this crowd are so receptive to this wrestling. Yeah. It's fantastic. Both men brawl from the bottom up and they knacker each other with simultaneous flurries. And then we get the Jewel of the Fates forearms. Yeah. You forearm, you forearm, go opposite sides now. And it leads to Bait hitting his Liger kick, Pete kicking his face off, and then Tyler hitting the next spring Lariat again. And it only gets a two count. That's one of the matches where you you think there's a three count and you just go, oh, what? Yeah, everyone's really biting on everything in this match. And we get a fight forever chant as well. I really appreciate with this crowd, like, these are all chants that certain people in the fandom are getting a bit tired of. But nobody's, like, shitting on it to shut it down. You're just like, okay, you know, we have to get this match over. Yeah. Dunn escapes with Tyler Driver, but then Bait turns the bitter end into a massive DDT that causes Pete to roll to the outside. That gets holy shit chance. Bait then goes to the apron and hits the Golden Star Moonsault, a la Kota Ibushi, hauls Pete back inside and hits the spiral tap like AJ Styles. And that only gets two fucking hell. Pete rolls out again, so Bait goes for another suicide dive, but Dunn sidesteps him and then drags him back into the ring and hits the bitter end to get the free count and to win the UK Championship. 
After 15 minutes and 27 seconds. Hell of a match. <sighs> Stick a fork in me. I mean, that match got so much praise from top, top wrestlers. Just showcased what we're about. It was incredible. You know, hopefully, going forward, that is the platform that's been built now. The next time two British guys wrestle on a pay-per-view, that's their marker. Yeah. That's a hell of a marker. <laughs> tell you what, yeah. Just, you talk about star-making performances. This was a classic, classic matchup. People are going to be talking about this for years. Yeah. So many scintillate encounters, great technical skill, great build of drama, and the crowd were brilliant responding to this stuff. Yeah. Just, oh my God, they had them eating out of the palm of their hands. This is my WWE match of the year so far. Yeah. I'm really struggling to think of how anything can top this. This is probably the most emotional I've been for someone's success in wrestling. Mm. Usually, the thing that draws prominent emotion for me in wrestling is, oh, someone's retired or someone's injured, like Undertaker's retiring or Shibata's injured and may never wrestle again and things like that. But this is just two guys going out there, absolutely killing it, Mm. making a name for themselves, making a name for our style of wrestling and our wrestling scene and hitting a home run. I honestly don't know what else to say about that match because, yeah, just go and watch it. If you've not seen it, watch it. It's an absolute must-see. And then tweet us once you've watched it. Yeah, definitely. What about the rest of TakeOver as well? Because I thought it was a pretty consistent show overall. Yeah, well, the only thing that was lacking on on the TakeOver is I didn't find there was a big enough, I don't know, star power to it. Right. I don't know. I don't think that as much as everyone's over Bobby Roode and everyone's very glorious, I don't think he carries NXT like your Kevin Owens, like your Finn Balor's, mm. like your Shinsuke's, Samoa Joe. But just give it time. And I think that, that was the only downfall. I felt flat a little bit. I think with Hideo being his opponent as well, I mean, it's not his fault really. He got injured a couple of times, but it's felt like he's had a few false starts. It's like, well, okay, we, we have to press on to try and make him a big name. Mm. And, you know, they were doing this out of necessity and I don't think he was quite there yet. I'd have loved to have seen him had a feud going into that title match and then having a championship match. Yeah. Because, you know, the way it was, I felt a little bit cold, but I did enjoy the match. Yeah. And I enjoyed every match on that show, actually. I thought with the ladder match, the title belts being that low down was a bit off-putting. It's totally a case of somebody pitching that super collider spot and then going, okay, well, well, how do we need to hang the belt so we can do that? Yeah, they've thought about the a spot in the match mm-hmm. rather than the match itself. Yeah. And the closing angle with Champa turning on Gargano, mm. that was fantastic stuff. When the credit graphic in the corner came up, like, oh, we're safe, we're safe, and then, oh my god, what are you fucking doing, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, that again, that's it's something different. You don't expect it, so you know there's good twists on it. Mm. But overall, as a show, mm, I wasn't overly impressed hmm. the Pete Dunne Tyler Bate match was, was the match absolutely yeah and it was the second match on the show so yeah 
<laughs> I'll try and follow that. Yeah. If you'd like some more in-depth thoughts on the show itself, some of our friends actually went to see it. So our friends over at Pro Wrestling Required Viewing did an episode focused on it. They were in attendance. And I decided to go check that out. And also our friend Jeff was on the Strap podcast talking about it as well. He was there live for it as well. That's cool. So there's a pair of shows. You can go and get some more in-depth thoughts on that as well. Yeah, that'll wrap everything up for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed a little foray into British wrestling again. You can see what our guys can do. Absolutely, yeah. Just go out and support British wrestling. And, you know, as well, just because these guys are on WWE now, you can still see them in loads of independent promotions. Probably some of them will be on your doorstep. Yeah. In Progress, in Attack, Revolution Pro, ICW... Fight Club Pro, Lucha Forever, there's all kinds of promotions knocking about there. Yeah. We're in a really good purple patch for British wrestling. Yeah. Just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter to keep a track of the show at TNW Podcast, where we put most of our updates and Simpsons shit posting and all other kind of stuff. Where we have fun. Yeah. Give us a like on Facebook. According to Facebook, 13 likes is nearly 100 likes. We're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio. Or just go and follow our SoundCloud page. There's a playlist of all of our episodes so far up there. Just search for TNW Podcast on any of those platforms. And you'll also be able to see my guest appearances on the Roarest Nitro podcast. Oh, we're about four shows into our TNA versus WWE Monday Night Raw run. They're actually quite good. I, I really enjoyed them. Yeah. That's great fun. Yeah. Even if I get a few pops. <laughs> Eventually it's going to turn into a stop cyberbullying my son situation at this point. <laughs> You'll have your chance in, in the future once I work out the logistics yes. of, our, of okay. our crossover episodes. Next time, I don't know, we're still looking for possible questions for Q&A's like we're just trying to build up a, a good backlog of questions where we can just sit and shoot the breeze basically yeah so tweet us DM us our DMs are open <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'd be nice for us to do a show where we just crack open a beer or a cider and we just chat and answer your questions so anything at all that you want us even if it's not wrestling based even if it's you know sport wise or you know movies you know absolutely anything just tweet us and you know we will we will answer it we'll hopefully see you in the near future it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from kyle yeah see you soon guys catch you down the road <laughs>